Well, good morning. It is nice to be here this morning. Uh, I want to thank you guys for all your prayers. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I was uh, I was pretty out of it this past week uh, for for especially the early half of the week. Um, you know, I had some immunization shots. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Africa this month, and um, yeah, I, I um, you know, I, it made me think about uh, my kids. They love when these commercials come on. TV, you know, it's all the the medication commercials, like all the people are smiling and happy and they're like having the time of their life. And then there's like, it may cause side effect. And they're like, like, I just remember the first time they watched, they were like, what? Like, why would you take that? It's like, you're going to die. You have all these horrible things. Anyways, so side effects, uh, you know, that's kind of something that we we like to overlook. And and, uh, Kaiser, they gave me a bunch of shots and gave me, like, all this packet of paper. Like, oh, these are all the side effects. I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, But I got them. So um, (laughs) I was wiped out for uh, a couple days and and a few more to kind of get back from that. Uh, So really appreciate your prayers. I know know many of you have, have let me know that. That you are praying for me um, and uh, answer to prayers. So, as you can see, I am here healthy and I'm on our new stage. Uh, we keep mentioning that, but it is really an amazing thing, especially if you've ever been up here. Um, if you ever tried to do what we do and and, and uh, either play uh, like some worship or to do like maybe for the kids to do like a, a presentation with singing or something. I mean, it's like it was like crammed. We pretty much doubled the size of the stage uh, without losing almost any space out here. So it was just a, a fantastic improvement. So I'm really happy about that. Um, part of that, um, you know, as you can see, there's uh, many things that will be changing uh, throughout this year. Uh, in, in our church facilities as we're really doing our best to to welcome people here and to make it just a, a better environment for ministry with our, our children and, uh, you know, with our services and all that. And part of that is, uh, you know, we will be uh, redoing the floor here. So hopefully all things go as planned. Um, by Easter, this whole sanctuary will have new flooring. Uh, so we won't worry about, or we still worry about it, but we won't worry as much about spilling some food or that kind of thing. It'll be easier to clean up. Uh, so that will be amazing praise. But part of that is that, you know, the flooring has to get delivered here. And um, so we, we tried so many different ways to try to figure out how we were going to do this. Uh, there's a, a picture here you can see of a pallet. We got two of these pallets. Um, they're only like 2,600 pounds each. Uh, 40 boxes. Uh, each box is like 67 pounds. Um, and we had thought all these different ideas of, of different ways that we could kind of move it because they just deliver it on the curb outside and we got to bring it inside so no one steals our flooring and all that, right? Um, so, you know, honestly, like I, I did it before and, and uh, this time I knew I had Pastor Toby with me. So I was like, you know, it's all right. It'll work out. And it worked out great. We got our kind of uh, daily workout in together. Um, but one of the things that, that we, were, we were trying to figure out was like we have like over 80 of these boxes. Like where are we going to put them, right? Um, and the last time we had wood delivered, I noticed on the box that, that there's a label. So you can show the next one. There's a label, and it says stack height, too, on each of the boxes. 
So you were like, dude, this is crazy. Where are we going to put it? It's going to be like all over the whole campus, right? And so we were really worried. And, you know, it doesn't make sense to only do two. So we were like, I think we could push it. Go four, go five, you know, because uh, they are heavy. And we kept on thinking. We kept on calling people. We were worried about it damaging the floor. And, that, and then when we were going out to, to, you know, do the next pallet, then this symbol like the palette is sealed by plastic wrap, everything. And then there's that symbol on there. And we're like, two stack. We're like, oh, maybe it means two of the palette stack. Like, don't stack more than two. So we're like, that makes sense. Because who can make a product that you can't, like, store, right? <laughs> so we were like, this is crazy. But seeing that, it made sense. And I know we, you know, he's in the back laughing. Like, we looked at each other going, oh, that made sense. We're so dumb. Like, but then, you know, you get two pastors, you're like, oh, there's a sermon illustration somewhere, so I'm going to use it first. Um, and so, you know, today, like, a lot of what, what I kind of, what we're getting into in, in the passage today is really, like, this question of, like, who is Jesus? And we need to decide, like, who is he, right? And, and sometimes we have an idea of, yeah, that's who he is, but we can lose that. Or in a different context, when in a different place, it changes, right? And so the way that we look at something, like when I looked at that sign on the box, I was like, oh, that's two, two boxes high. But when I saw that sign in a different light of like, oh, no, it's probably two pallets high, it completely changed what? The way that I thought about that thing. And so we stacked it like 10 high, no problem, 11 high, you know, and, and there's a bunch in, in the next room. Uh, but that changed so much. It changed the way that we acted. It changed the way that we stacked those boxes, you know, from going from too high to like 11 high, like no problem. We know we can handle it, right? And that's kind of what we're, we're going to see today. If you're just joining us, uh, we have been in the series of Luke this whole, uh, actually last year and then this year continuing, and we're almost done. We've been watching it as Jesus, you know, from birth into starting his ministry, and now he's kind of towards the end of his story. It's like getting to that climax in, in the story where, where Jesus has been snatched up. He's been already, uh, you know, he's on the... The, the list of the most wanted from the religious leaders because Jesus has just been stirring things up. He's been convicting them, saying like, hey, you guys are taking advantage of the people. You're not doing what God has called you to do. And he was trying to set them straight. And of course, in that, they did not appreciate that. They did not want him calling them out, making them look bad, damaging their ego, taking away some of their influence, and so they decided they got to get rid of him. We're at the part in this story when Jesus is truly heading towards the cross. He's already been arrested, if you will. And, and now today we get to see a large part of him on trial. And what is the verdict of that trial? So um, if you will, um, let's, let's pray and then we'll get into the scripture. Lord God, I thank you for uh, the many things that you're doing uh, in the life of our church and in our own life. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word. It is uh, really an amazing gift that we're able to, to hear your heart, to read testimony of 
how you have lived with and, and walked with uh, those that have come before us. Lord, on this Communion Sunday, we're so grateful for, for, what, um, for what you've done for us, that, that you sent your only Son, Jesus, to come, to walk amongst us, to minister to us, to share your heart for us, and ultimately to, to pay the price for our sins so that we would be able to be reconciled with you, so that we would be able to have just an amazing relationship with you, God of creation. So, Lord, it's my prayer that, that as we read your word, as we look into this together, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our minds, that you would transform us from the inside out, that we would leave this place looking at you a little bit differently today. And thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So we'll be in Luke 22, starting at verse 66, and then we'll continue into uh, chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Otherwise, you can look up here. Uh, starting with 2266, I remember Jesus has been taken up. He's been arrested. And it says, At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, this is the Jewish council, both of the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together. Jesus was led before them, and they asked him, they said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. And Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of mighty God. And he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of, you know, they're trying to officially get him in trouble. Like, the, the, the charge against him is blasphemy. is basically saying something false about God. In this case, saying that he is God. Right? That's what they're trying to, to get him for. And in their, you know, religious beliefs... Of course, that crime is punishable by death. Now, they are kind of like, you know, they have their people, they have their own kind of rules, but then they are under Roman rule. And so the Roman government is over them. And in, in Roman rule, uh, you know, saying something about the Jewish God, like they could care less, right? So that's not a capital offense, right? So the Jewish community first, these elders and this council, they first come together and they go to convict him. And, and sure enough, you know, they're asking him, hey, you know, so what's up, Jesus? Are you God? And he's like, well, whatever I say, you're not going to believe me. You, you know, if I ask you a question, are you really going to answer me? No, like you already know where we stand on this, uh, you know, this topic. And, and so in 70, they all asked, are you the son of God? And he replied, he replied you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. You know, they have made up their mind. This reminds me of uh, one of my favorite authors and um, maybe one of yours as well, C.S. Lewis. Uh, he's the guy that wrote all the Narnia books, and he wrote many, many others. Uh, one of them, uh, Mere Christianity, there's a famous quote that I'm sh maybe you've heard before, but if not, then you're blessed today. Um, C.S. Lewis says, you know, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. 
That is the one thing we must not say. You know, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come to, with any patronizing, uh, with any patronizing sense, uh, nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So C.S. Lewis is basically saying, well, you know, I know there's all these different ideas of who Jesus is, right? Some people say, oh, he was a historical figure. He was a a great teacher. You know, he was uh, a good person. You know, he was a cool dude. He was, you know, he's my bro or he's whatever, my homeboy. You know, all these different things. They say, this is who Jesus is. But C.S. Lewis says, like, no. He said that he's the son of God. He said he's the Messiah. He said he's the Savior. That's what he said. He didn't say, hey, here I am, a good teacher to help you. So you got to look at what he said and then make a decision. Because if he's telling the truth, then that's who he is. But if he's not, then he's ridiculous, crazy, straight-out liar. He, he says that he would be the same as a man who believes he's an egg, right? The Jewish leaders have decided that to them... Jesus was not God. He was a troublemaker, someone who was messing up their way of life. Again, you know, he was hurting their ego, their reputation, and they wanted him gone. And then I think about Jesus. I think about this charge that that he's being held for, that they're saying, well, you're lying. You're lying. You're telling a lie about who you are, right? He's wrongfully accused. I mean, is there anything so frustrating as being wrongfully accused? I mean, really, I, 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 I can't forget this. It's like it bugged me that much, okay? Like I was leaving here at night one day and uh, going out this way, you know, it curves around. And right before you get out to Red Hill, it, there's a right turn, and there's like a motorcycle uh, shop on the corner there. And, um, you know, I was going extra slow. I was going like, literally, I was going like 20 miles per hour. And I was going, and as I made the turn, this, there's no, there weren't like street lights right there, or there still aren't, but they're, you know, it's kind of dark on that turn. And as I was turning, then I just kind of slammed on my brakes because there was two guys crossing the street. One guy was pushing all black, wearing all black, pushing a black motorcycle across the street, okay? And then the other guy next to him had a crate of, like, parts, and he was walking. And they were both walking, you know, across the street in this, this corner, like, in the middle of the street. And so I slammed on my brakes, like, whoa, man, I'm glad I saw them because these guys are, like, camouflage. They're all black, you know? And, and then so I stopped, my window's down everything, and the guys kind of walked past me. And he stopped, and one guy glared at me, and he started yelling, saying, 
why don't you slow down? Like, and I was like, what? <laughs> like right before there, there's literally a sign that says 35 miles per hour, I think. So, you know, and I was like, I, I was so like, like I was doing something and I was like so frustrated, but I'm like, I, I wasn't going fast. <laughs> and I was like, that was dumb, you know. And then I and I started driving home, and and I thought, I just thought, man, I'm, you know, I'm glad I didn't hit those guys. But you know that look that the guy gave me, and just like, it just like it burned into me. And the whole drive home, I was just thinking, like, that was a dumb comeback. What should I have said instead? You know, just like, <laughs> like man, like come on, like I'm not even going the speed limit. Like come, on, you know, you guys should have reflective clothing or go down to the end of the road, like. This isn't a crosswalk. You know, I was just like, ah, so upset and just thinking, he's wrongfully accusing me like I'm just recklessly speeding down the street. It just bugged me, right? And that was such a minor, minor thing, but it bugged me for like a couple days, you know? (laughs) And I I think about people that are truly wrongfully accused. Not too long ago, there's a movie that came out called Just Mercy. And it's the story of a man, Walter McMillan, who was uh, wrongfully accused of murder and um, sentenced to death row. Um, bless you. And, uh, you know, in this, in this story, it's, um, I was watching part of the 60 Minutes uh, interview. And, uh, you know, he was in prison on death row based upon the testimony of a felon. Uh, the false testimony of a felon who later confessed that that he only said that because he was trying to get time off of his own sentence. And so it was this this case where you had uh, a lawyer that had found out about this, and he spent, um, you know, this man spent six years on death row, but finally he was uh, released, that, uh, that he was proven innocent. But I just thought, you know what, that's just crazy, right, to think that you are actually paying the price of something that you didn't do, wrongfully accused, right? So I begin to think, how would it have felt Jesus, the man? You know, what kind of emotions would that have been pushing at him as he is going through this whole thing of being wrongfully accused? Verse 23 says, or I'm sorry, um, uh, chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate and began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so. Jesus replied. So they had taken him. Remember, they're under Roman rule. And so they had taken them. Okay, well, well, we find him guilty. But like I said, you know, to, to, you know, in that society, just their feelings was not enough to kill somebody, to, to you know, execute them. Um, that was not, uh, you know, a valid reason. And so they said, you know what, let's take him to local authorities. They take him to Pilate and Pilate, he says, okay, let's, you know, let's hear, let's hear this out. These guys are saying what? Remember, he doesn't care what, what Jesus is doing against the Jewish God, 
right? So these guys, they say, you know what Jesus is doing? He's saying we shouldn't pay taxes to you guys. He's saying we shouldn't respect your government. He's saying that, that you know, he's causing all this trouble. So Pilate asked him an interesting question because remember, the charges, it says, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Messiah King. Now, the not paying taxes, that's a bad offense, right? But Pilate, he asked him, okay, well, are you king? Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus basically says, well, that's, you know, that's why I'm here, right? It continues, and Pilate, he continues to ask him, he says, Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. In other words, why are you coming to me? He doesn't deserve death. I can't give him the death penalty. What has he done? You haven't shown me any evidence, right, that he's worthy of being put to death. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, and he's come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate, he sees like, man, this is a bad situation. These guys are really mad. They want to kill him. But he hasn't, what has he done to deserve death? I'm not going to give him a death sentence. Like, I don't want that on me, right? And so he's like, all right, tell me more. And he says, oh, he's from Galilee. Oh, hey, that's out of my area. Guess whose area that is? That's Herod's. Guess what? Herod just has, happens to be in town right now. Go see Herod. Go take him there. So Pilate decides Jesus is not guilty. He recognizes this is a lose-lose situation, so he tries to pass it on, right? The people decided about Jesus, or the leaders decided about Jesus, now Pilate makes his decision. So Jesus gets sent to Herod. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Why? Because for a long time, he had been wanting to see him from what he had heard about him. He hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. So Herod, he wants to be entertained. He's like, oh, man, I heard about this Jesus. I heard some pretty amazing things about him. I wonder what he's going to do for me. Like, this is going to be cool. Like, I want to see Jesus do something, right? And so he asked him all these questions. He plied him with questions with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Silent treatment. Jesus is like, I'm not here to entertain you. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. So Herod, he... He's like, okay, he's not going to do anything for me. Well, I'm still looking to be entertained, right? I still am looking for some fun, so let's have some fun. They're, they're saying all these crazy things about him. I don't see any evidence, right? I don't see any reason for him to be killed. To, to me, like, yeah, okay, whatever. So let's have some fun. So they dress him up. They're saying that he says he's a king. Let's make him look like a king. Let's give him this kingly robe. Let's dress him all up. 
And, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll send them off. We'll, we'll make fun of them. We had a good laugh. All right, that was our entertainment. They sent them off. So Herod, King Herod decides about Jesus. He decides he's no king. He's no God. He's no harm. It's all a joke. Entertainment. And so he sends them back to Pilate. Some people think that, that you know, maybe the sign of, like, of respect in terms of, well, this is your jurisdiction, so I'm going to send him. I'm gonna, maybe they had problems uh, in the past over like what was theirs, what was their controlled area. And so this kind of could be a sign of respect from Pilate saying, you know what, Herod, I respect that you're over this area, so I'm going to send him to you. And so uh, whatever the, the reason is, you know, we, Luke includes in there that, hey, this, this uh, handling of Jesus' case actually brings Pilate and Herod kind of together, that, that they squash whatever issue that they had with each other. So now Jesus is back with Pilate, and Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. So everybody. Right? And he said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. You've told me this guy is a rebel. He's going against the government. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I'll punish him and then release him. Pilate still doesn't see him as guilty. Definitely not something that deserves death. Again, remember, he sees this as this is a bad situation. So I want to do something, a compromise. You know, how about we just beat him? So he says, let me punish him and then I'll give him back to you. Right. 18. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. So here they're saying, Jesus, he's this rebellious man. Pilate says, I don't find him to be a rebellious man. Now the people are saying, you know what? Give us Barabbas, a real rebellious man. Give us this rebel Barabbas who is, has caused this insurrection, this uprising, this this riot in the city, and as a result of that, he's actually killed somebody. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him, execute him, kill him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I've found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insisted, in, insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So here we see that the crowd makes their decision. The people, the same people that, you know, earlier on the day that we call Palm Sunday, they had welcomed him. 
They had welcomed him and cheered for him. They had kind of laid out the red carpet for him as the king. And now they've condemned him. And so the crowd decides that Jesus is not who they wanted him to be. He's not the political or military leader. He's not the one that would set them free from oppression. And he's not who they want to. And if he's not who they want him to be, then, and, you know, who cares? Let's get rid of him. You know, in a moment, we, we will we'll get to share communion together. Um, and we'll get to, each of us, we'll, we'll get to take a moment and, and to think about, to, to remember um, and consider, you know, who Jesus is to us. We talked about the, the religious leaders. They decided who Jesus was. Pilate decided who Jesus was. Herod decided who Jesus was. And now the crowd has decided who Jesus is to them. But who is Jesus to you? Remember what what C.S. Lewis said, that there's no in-between. If we pick anything that's in that kind of in-between, we're really fooling ourselves, right? Who is Jesus to you? That should make a difference in how we live our life. This week, our, our weekly challenge, uh, you can take a picture of this. I'll send it out to you on Tuesday if you're on our email list. Um, if you'd like to be, please fill out a connection card. Um, you know, I encourage you to, to read Luke 22:66 to 23:25, what we went over today. Um, and think about how do you relate to this passage, or I should say, how do you relate to the different characters in this passage? You know, when I read this, the first time I read it, I really related to Barabbas, someone that was guilty, someone that was uh, rightfully accused, that was waiting a sentence and for some reason (coughs) was released because of Jesus. This exchange has been made, right? Sometimes I find myself feeling like I'm in the shoes of a pilot or Herod of saying, you know what, this is what I want Jesus to be for me. You know, I want him to be this, this uh, you know, genie in a bottle that makes everything good, right? Or that answers all my prayers. I just say, hey, Jesus, I need this. Here you go, right? Or maybe, uh, you know, I think uh, of him as, yeah, oh, man, he's got some wise sayings. He's got some good things. You know, sometimes we see him in a different way not as Lord and Savior. Because if we see him as Lord and Savior, then that means that he is the one that is governing over us. He is the one that is directing our life, right? And so in Grow, I ask the question, uh, you know, what makes it hard for you to follow Jesus? What makes it hard for you to follow him? I think for a lot of the people that we that we read about um, they want to be God. They want to be the one in control. You know, and so when that conviction comes, when, when Jesus says, no, you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. They can't stand it, right? Who is Jesus to you? Is he Lord and Savior? It's a hard question to ask, but a, a good one. And then overflow. You know, I encourage you, take some time this week to consider 
what it cost Jesus to die unjustly. I mean, truly, what was it that he went through? Think about that. Think about that, that wrongful accusation that he paid the price for something that he truly did not do, both in the physical sense and also in the spiritual sense of taking on and paying the price before God for our sins. And how does that impact your life or how does it not impact you? Um, yeah. Let's pray. And then, uh, and then I'll invite Pastor Toby to come up. Um, Lord God, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for the way that it truly is living, that um, even as I have been reading it here, that, that Lord, I, I believe that maybe you've been speaking in different ways to, to people that have been listening, Lord. That your word, it truly speaks to us each right where we are. God, I'd be the first to admit that there's many times in my life when I don't see you as, as truly as Lord and Savior, that I don't bow before you, that I choose my own way. Lord, I'm sorry for that. I ask for your forgiveness. That today as we come before you, as we remember what you did on the cross, uh, Lord, that you would use this time to, to work in my heart, to, to work in our hearts, and to bring us back into a right relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So we get the chance to go into communion time. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, before we, we get into the invitation, I do have one announcement. Um, and uh, this just came in this morning. Uh, and... Uh, um, you know the the concert that we had uh, March seventh uh, this coming Saturday, uh, Japan Night. Uh, that I just was informed this morning that that event got postponed uh, because of one of the persons from Korea, one of the persons from Japan, and uh, just the uh, the fear of uh, the virus or just just this whole thing. So I just want to let you know, and please, if you could help. Uh, you know, let people know that you invited that that gets it's it, it is canceled for now. But they told me that they'll be back, um, and 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 when things settle down, they'll be back to do that event again. Uh, so you know, we were ready with the new stage and everything. Uh, but uh, uh, next time they'll be here, we'll actually have new floor, so we'll be even more ready to take on that night of just praying for that country of Japan how they've nine years since that devastation from that 311 from 2011. So, um, but um, we get to now enter into the time of communion. And, um, you know, Pastor Phil, he mentioned about who he identified with. And, uh, you know, he mentioned Barabbas. And I do too. And I have a picture that I want to show. Maybe um, Pastor Phil might need to move a little. But, uh, you know, here's the picture of, of the two Barabbas or two Jesus. You know, the pilot says, hey, who do you want? And this is the, the picture of, um, and, and over here to my left, it's, it's Barabbas, the guy who's in chain. This is Jesus and also in chain. You know that Barabbas, his name was also Jesus. Jesus Barabbas. Or Jesus Christ. And I see myself as Jesus Barabbas, who is sinful, who is always depicted as this, this, 
this, you know, ugly, not good look. Uh, uh, it's just the sinful, you know, being. And I see myself in him more than I see myself in Jesus. But there was a great exchange that took place where Pilate says, who do you want to see free? And then the people chose Barabbas. And they said, Jesus, be crucified. You know, when that took place, Jesus took on my sin, my shame, my dirt, my filth, everything. And Jesus went on the cross for us. Thank you, Pastor Phil. And, you know, and that's what we get to commemorate today. Jesus dying for us in place of you. And, and isn't it hard to, like, identify ourselves with that Barabbas, that, that ugly-looking being? But that's us. But Jesus says, I'll take that, and I'll put it on me. And I'm going to give you what's mine, pure, holy righteousness to you. So as we come serve... Uh, the communion and as you take that I want you to remember that, that yes we were Barabbas but because of what took place on, Christ, uh, on that cross we get to live like Christ and that is the commitment that we could renew today so um, on this side I've asked Carolyn and, uh, and uh, Alan to stand with the communion element and then myself and Pastor Jenny will be on this side so if you uh, I want to uh, just ask you to, uh, to pray with me and then when we're ready, I want you to come up and then receive your elements. And then go back to your seats. And then just whenever you feel like it's ready and thinking about the exchange that took place, receive Jesus. Okay? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, the time of communion, to remember that day where Jesus took on the cross for us. And then instead... Barabbas or us who was who was dead who was who was filthy who was who was sinful who was a murderer who was a who was unwanted by society got released and received freedom and received life again because Jesus took on what was mine and then gave us what was his thank you so much for that day thank you for the cross Jesus Thank you for taking on my sin so that I and we could live in this newness of life. So, Jesus, on that night of betrayal, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink of this remembrance of me. So this, this, this room looks a little bit different. We don't have the altar that we had, but the element stays the same. We, we get to receive this, and we get to renew this commitment here on. So I ask that you would um, just prayerfully approach this time of communion.